Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame Movie Podcast. Listen to Matt Levy and Mark Rossi as they put their cinema studies degrees to good use and induct the best movies of all time into their own Hall of Fame. With no further ado, roll the camera. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Hall of Fame movie podcast. I am Matt Levy. I am joined by my regular co-host, Mark Rossi. How are you, Mark? Doing great. Awesome. And we have our special superhero reoccurring guest, Bill Burns. How are you, Bill? I'm happy Scorsese canceled. You guys had me on once again. Thank you. He he is going to wait in the waiting room just in case he can make time for us. But yes, Bill, we're happy you could come in his place in his stead. I, now, I have a note from his reps. Hold on. It just says more like shit. Chi. And that's his words, not mine. Oh, oh. I uh, mean, that sounds he, like something he would actually say. That's I, know. The I, I don't, I don't think that at all. <laughs> right. Well, the cat's out of the bag. This week we are talking about Shang-Chi, not, <laughs> not what Scorsese was talking about. So, yes, we are talking about the latest on Disney Plus, the release in theatrical the theatrical release was in September for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Two hours and twelve minutes, PG thirteen, part of the ongoing everlong Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I believe this is phase four, correct, gentlemen? Correct. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just confirm Bill Bill's it's, eyes rolled into the back of his skull. <laughs> it's just not part of the Snyderverse, Bill. That's yeah. that's all we know. <laughs> like that much is that multiverses game part of the Snyderverse? <laughs> the, the prison did you see that the multiverses game mark it's that okay. new game where like bugs bunny fights batman and he fights Arya stark in the same game mm-hmm. it's, it's the silliest premise <laughs> i'll eat my hat if that's good you can put that in the podcast oh there's so yeah. much eating so <laughs> Guys, we have grouped together here to talk about superhero movies in the past, whether it be actually we've done all the phases of the MCU. We've talked about Suicide Squad. We've talked about the Snyder Cut. And we thought, let's bring the band back together to talk about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Now, both you gentlemen saw this in theaters. Mark, is that correct for you? Yep, I saw it multiple times in theaters. And Bill, you saw this in theaters as well? I saw it one of the times in theaters. There you go. And that, I guess, you means you watched it a second time? Every night. It just plays in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched this when it, when it debuted on Disney+. Plus. I, it didn't work out for me to see it in theaters and cautious and scared and all that as well. But I did see this movie when it debuted on the streaming service. So we have all seen the movie. We have all sat through all two hours and 12 minutes. And let's start with our... Got like our brief first impressions like we normally do. So, Mark, I'll send it to you. What are your first thoughts on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? I loved this movie immediately on first viewing. I think it's really great to see, um, you know, just like in specifically an Asian American, right? In, in the truest sense of, of, of that term as your lead character and dealing with ha- kind of having a foot in both worlds. So that's a, a different perspective than you get to see in all, 
a lot of films in general, but specifically within the superhero uh, universe that we've seen so far. So I thought it was very well balanced as far as that's concerned. I think Tony Leung is just... He's, he's amazing. He's just an, uh, amazing. He does incredible work. He's done incredible work for a long time, and finally he's getting to kind of cross over, and people uh, in America are really getting to see him. On Did he play the stage. role of the father? Yes. Right. Yeah. I think I saw him from Internal Affairs. I think it's the only movie I'd seen him in previously. Right, and he's phenomenal in, in, in that in that film series. But he plays a great, great layered villain in Wenwu, and I think, personally... Uh, he is everything that people were saying that Killmonger was in, in Black Panther, where he's emotionally tortured, he's very layered in his you know, motivations. It's not simply just like the power grab that he is in the beginning lore of, the, of his backstory, but he's torn between his love for his wife and his family and also the power that he craves to try to bring that all back together. So I thought it was very well executed. The first and second acts are phenomenal. The third act isn't as great, but overall I, I feel very good about the movie and, and where it, it will lead going forward from here. The last question before we get to you, Bill, I know you said you really enjoyed it. Were your expectations high or low when, before you went to see it? Admittedly, they probably aren't as high as they've been for some of the other Marvel properties there. I didn't have as much invested, I don't think, prior to it, even though it, it's depicting an, an Asian superhero as the lead role for the first time. But the expectations were probably middling, comparatively speaking, but it exceeded my expectations personally. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Thank you, Mark. Bill, your initial kind of what your expectations were and then what you initially uh, thought upon seeing the film. I had zero expectations of the film. In fact, I went to go see it in the theater, if for no other reason than to take a photo of myself going to see it, send it to Matt and razz him a little bit. But I enjoyed two thirds of this movie very, very much. It did not. It did not feel Maybe I'm forgetting what other Marvel's movies felt like, but it didn't really feel like a Marvel movie to me up until that third act when mm -hmm. Patreon subscribers know this, but off pod, we talked about it. That third act became the standard Marvel cliche third act where it, it kind of got some emotion or elicited responses out of me that were natural and very just like, no, Jesus, this again. Because I bought everything out. Like I bought him fighting Abomination. I bought Wong using portals to teleport. I bought all this hand-to-hand -hand combat which was new and not really seen but for some reason dragons fighting in a mystical mythical land to me just I, and you guys know i like lord of the rings and stuff it's just one of those things i was like i don't want to see this i want to see him fight his dad like hand-to-hand -hand combat like they were doing that right. was really cool i thoroughly enjoyed aquafina throughout it i i thought i was going to get tired of her from the trailers i thought it was going to be just like well i i like i like her as an actress and stuff she's done i find her funny I thought it would get tiring after an, um, a while, but it was done great. The return of Ben Kinsley also, oh, it, it, it was amazing. Uh, to me, it was cool to see. And then at some point, I was like, oh, no, is this going to become annoying? Am I gonna, is this going to be a thing I can't get past? It's just going to be annoying. And they just, they played him so well. They wrote him so well in this movie where it, it was cool that this character that was so hated became this everyone like talks about how great he was in this movie and how right. they're like, glad he's back and you know even seeing the true mandarin was so cool i like like i said i really liked the two-thirds of this movie i thought it was just so cool it didn't have that that marvel feel i don't remember i remember leaving the theater and thinking because uh, i was like oh man did that third act thing that 
uh, I've said time and time again, I feel Wonder Woman falls victim, felt victim too. I did Black Widow have that for me? Do we remember? Did I say that about Black Widow? I don't think you it had the same issue necessarily that you that you had said. Although it, they were kind of fighting out of that, the like falling from the sky and the suspension of disbelief completely got thrown out the window because she's okay. you know, just a human. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that that's fair. It was great though. I I, I agree with you. I honestly. Honestly, feel as ter- in terms of like the um, villain of the film. This is up there with Winter Soldier for me. This was just, it was done so well. You felt his motivations. I mean, right. you could argue that people people say, "Oh, that's why I love Thanos so much." And you're like, "Nah, you didn't like Thanos for the first three quarters of that movie." <laughs> like it wasn't until he told the story that you were like, "Oh, maybe there is something." But like this guy, you you feel like immediately for this, you're like, "Oh, he's just in right. a rough spot right now." Um, yeah, they did great storytelling in the, especially in that opening act to really establish his like emotional backstory yeah i i I, yeah i truly enjoyed the all the hand-to-hand combat stuff was great it was so it was so great it was so cool and even them using the rings i I liked how they did that i mean obviously we've all watched our dragon ball and our (laughs) other anime stuff that maybe we're more like cool they're doing it (laughs) but i thought it was a cool implementation of it as we talk now mark i did see in the theater and i'm sorry i didn't brush up after that's okay. What was post credits on this? I don't remember off the top of my head. So you have the mid credit scene where he they're talking to the Avengers, and you have Captain Marvel and regular Bruce Banner. Yes, yes, uh, it's okay, okay, okay. And yep. they, they're like, like try to get some rest, but welcome to the circus. And yep. there's a mm-hmm. there's a great moment that they have where Captain Marvel's like, uh, Bruce has Bruce has my number. He's gonna give it to you, and he's <laughs> like, uh, she always does this. I don't have her number, which is a great moment. And then the post credit scene was when they're back at the the Ten Rings compound, and the sister basically is taken over. Right. Yeah, yeah and she okay. was yep. like gonna take over so okay cool yep and then i i liked both of those post credit sequences as well it was cool because while there are the this is setting up the new stuff it 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 is nowhere near where it was by the end of those by the end of the second into all of the third where you're like what who is this this is a whole like the next this is i have to know this because the next movie hinges on me seeing this scene right right no i agree with you because i i've always i've always kind of fought against you on that but in this case the the mid credit and and post credit stingers were more about establishing these specific characters and their path forward into the bigger world not like oh here's another character that you didn't know about but get excited because this character's coming it's like no we've we've had this adventure for them and here is where they're going to be headed going forward you know shang chi is dealing with the avengers and his sister is dealing with her own kind of vacuum of power so it, it kind of sets their their paths going forward, which I agree is is really good for a self-contained story that you yeah. stick with the characters that you just spent the time with. Matt, your thoughts? Yeah, so I'm with you guys here. This is this is a good movie, and it's a character that I knew next to nothing about prior to this. So when I first heard, oh, Phase 4, they got Shang-Chi lined up, I'm like, all right, well, I guess trust in the MCU, trust in Marvel. They, they don't have too many bad movies and i'm here for it and then i watched on disney plus just a couple weeks ago and i thought the first act with specifically like you guys said the the building the character of the father giving the introduction of the rings meeting the mother their whole fight and falling in love through fighting and that that was actually a really cool scene and, and getting the whole story arc for the father and then 
the whole bus scene and early on with, we'll get into some of those details, but some of the stuff with Sean or Shang, whichever you want to call him. And then, yeah, like you guys said, Aquafina. I mean, she's usually like a character actress. She's usually just straight there just for comedy, but she was really good in this. She played the love interest. She played the friend. I thought she was like, I never find her to be like the, the most attractive. I thought she was like beautiful in this as, as a love interest as well. Like I really thought she hit all the boxes as far as like being the entertaining, funny character, but also as like the, the love interest, a real, she dealt with some real drama in this too. So it was great. And I think like the, the female characters in general, like the mother's character, I thought she was wonderful. Michelle Yao, who's been in everything. I mean, she's a legend. Uh, it was great to see her in this as well as the, as the aunt. It was it was just a really good movie. And then the third act, I think you both said it. And as as you guys said it, I, I said, well, I'm glad they said it. I'm just going to say it again. I'm just going to repeat them. But the first two acts are really good. And the third act, for me, it was just a little too over the top. It was, it was yeah. a little too... And the MCU is going to do more and more of that. So I have to get used to it. Things were smaller. It was movies that were all in the real world now we're going into crazy places where a car has to make seven left turns and six right turns that a little creature is telling them when to turn and then there there's soul suckers and dragons and all sorts of weird nine tails looking foxes and i'm like all right i guess this is where the marvel's marvel cinematic universe is going i just felt like i was in like fantastic beasts i didn't feel like i was in a marvel movie anymore and it was just a little over the top watching them all riding dragons but Still loved the movie. It didn't it didn't ruin the movie for me. It was just a little I was like rolling my eyes a little bit, being like, all right, this is like a little Star Wars episode one at times. Yeah, the 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 issue that they have is that when you have Thanos, right, as as your big bad and those the the scale of those battles, to kind of completely strip it back with these new origin stories and new stories that you're trying to tell and be like, oh, care about this again. It's like, uh, you've, you've set the stakes too high. So now they have, they've, it's a, it's a problem of their own creation that you have to keep kind of going to these like otherworldly types of bees. Yeah. It, Mark, it's so, so funny. You, um, not so funny. It's so interesting. You said that rather because something that I'm wondering is how far into phase four or five and beyond do they have to go? where every movie are they going to be like uh, is there going to be a quick dialogue where it's like this is why we didn't appear during that big thing that you all should have cared about we're like i know i didn't see eternals yet because honestly i just can't take that much time off from my life to go see a nine-hour movie that's not (laughs) about batman um but and i will see it i just I'm curious how, how, how much they're going to have to, like, in Far From Home, it made sense to have to mm-hmm. say that because it was supposed to be, like, the bookend to it. Right. But I'm wondering how far into this next phase is everyone, any new character, like, let's say we get Namor, is Namor going to be like, uh, yeah, I didn't help because, like, and that's just going to be annoying if every movie there's that little, that eats up stuff that could be happening much more constructive. Right. That's, I agree. I think that's thing that every movie now people argue. I'm sure people are saying with Eternals now and with this movie, it's like, well, how come the dragon didn't come to help? And how come all these all these warriors didn't come help when Thanos was trying to, I guess, and if you're going to like question things, it's, it's science fiction. You have to buy into it a little bit, make up an excuse for why they weren't there and just move on. Because if not, it's going to be hard to enjoy some of these. And maybe the multiverse will will fix all of this. The multiverse. <laughs> the well, multiverse. You know, you know that I think, I, I think everyone are, is willing to accept like you just have to buy into it. But they they make a point of driving home like, you know, all, all hope was lost until this person showed up, and you're like, 
well then why didn't this person show up in this sense it doesn't make any like you there almost becomes well the deus ex machina right they're, they're yep. like it's like why uh, specifically why hulk was written out of the first part of <laughs> what was that Infinity. civil war Oh, no, he wasn't. Oh, yeah. Right, 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 right. Right, he wasn't in civil war because legitimately they were like, "Well, we didn't." I mean, what are we gonna? He would just win, <laughs> and like, and I get it from a story. I, I know all of these little things that we throw out back and forth with each other come from people who have read comics, and you know, it helps mess. It sells sell tickets that someone doesn't have to read sixteen years of lore to be like, "Oh, that's why they're not there because they're back." At, but they. I obviously have watched a bunch of Marvel stuff with you guys or for you guys to do this because I like it and I like talking to you guys about it. However, I feel they want to like they want to be like super in depth Easter eggy and like hardcore into the story, but also super mainstream and for everybody. And like, I think we're st- if we haven't already started, we're definitely seeing the effects of it starting to like not be able well, to continue. Both it's ways. hard because they want you to be able to watch. Let's say you've watched no Marvel movies yet. They oh, want you to be able that. to have watched. They want you to watch Shang Chi and be like. Okay, I understand what I watched in this movie, and I didn't see any other Marvel movies. And you sort of can. Right. Also, want you to have seen everything, so you can also enjoy seeing Wong and Abomination and all the other Easter mm-hmm. eggs throughout these movies. <clears throat> so there is there is a little bit of that. I agree, Bill. And until they reboot this whole thing, it's just going to keep on happening. That's going to be the ultimate test. I know we've discussed that map, but that will be the ultimate test when they're like, "Here's your new Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Here's your new Captain America." But or the, but, while they're alive, you think they're going to just pay them, right? They'll pay them. They could get them back. But also the thing is that because Marvel and Disney are one, right? They have an infinite number of intellectual property. So they don't have to like go back into the well that quickly. They're already, yeah. they're already thinking about phase four and then probably phase five. And who knows what they've already planned out now. But even just rolling these out is going to take like a decade so you won't have to really think about going back into that well and be like oh we have to reboot iron man they're like no we have like 27 other characters that we still have to launch so and iron man like he basically became the biggest character in the mcu but right he's not the biggest character in marvel comics he's i wouldn't even put him in a top five right. in marvel comics so right. Exactly. It just shows what they can do with their characters. Right. And by casting Paul Rudd, you've made Ant-Man into a significant figure going forward. So, like, you can do... They, they clearly can do anything. But uh, it, what they end up doing in the future, I guess, we're, we're, we're getting off track there. What they've done <laughs> in the present with this movie is they did really well with introducing this character in. in I think, from a, to- a storytelling perspective, a, di- a very different way of telling it with a villain that felt more fleshed out, I think, than most villains, if not all of them, personally, that we've seen previously, at least from an emotional perspective. Let's dive a little deeper. Let's talk about what specific moments or or scenes really worked for you guys, and you were like, damn, this movie's really good. So um, I'm going to jump in first. Sure, go for it. Before you jump in, are you wearing a Tom Segura Dunk Champ shirt? Yeah, you see it? It's like, oh it's man, nice, that's it's awesome! Nice, it's a great shirt. Uh, yeah. Big fan, big fan of <laughs> Me Tom <too>. Segura. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, check out check out Two Bears One Cave. Check out your mom's yeah. house podcast. It's great, great work. <laughs> also, uh, subscribe to us. But <laughs> the, I think the the beauty of this coming out on Disney Plus is you had the new wave of people seeing it, Matt included. There's a phenomenal post and 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 then subsequent thread on Twitter that went viral of a 
of a bus driver watching the bus scene in Shang-Chi for the first time and commenting on the realism on it. If you haven't seen it already, I recommend checking it out and reading through the thread because it's amazing. But that was the standout sequence for me. Um, in the trailer, I saw, like, obviously the small snippet there. I'm like, oh, this is going to be something I'm, I'm excited about. There's so much homage that's being played to different Asian cinema and Asian cinema in, in Hollywood in this movie. A lot of that has to do with the people they cast and also the people in the crew. So the late Brad Allen was the stunt choreographer. He was part of the Jackie Chan stunt team. So that scene and a lot of the sequences just reek of of Jackie Chan in the best possible way. And that bus scene is so good. It's so well choreographed. It hums. But it feels modern because you have like some of the modern types of you have some slow-mo thrown in there you have some more contemporary music but it still has the feel of like J jackie chan's type of action sequences um it's the two legs going through a tiny opening for the two feet first through a tiny opening yeah. where he torpedoes his body through it that that's what i was like nah there it is that's awesome that one was good and also the in and out of the jacket fighting against yeah, yeah. multiple people yeah, yeah, and yeah. using the jacket to like tie people's arms together was just so great. So that was like my first standout sequence for me. What was it uh, for you guys? Well, so yeah, the, I mean, the bus sequence happened so early on. It was so good. I also really liked the side of the building fight. I really liked oh, the side of the God, building it's fight. So great. It was very, very good. It reminded me a lot of maybe because it was nighttime and on a city and stuff, but I got uh, Daredevil vibes off it. At least Netflix Daredevil. I was like, oh, this feels like a very real like these are people that are trained to fight and are actually fighting. There wasn't a lot of like stand up punch. No one really gets hurt. Stand up. It was like someone got punched. Even like anyone who got punched, like got knocked back and took like a, like a hit. It goes back to very similar to what you were saying in the, in the court, uh, fight choreography style where they show the consequence of getting hit. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I yeah. think, I think what made these scenes special and both the scenes you guys just said were incredibly special. I think they're two of the best just fighting sequences in the MCU. I think it's that, there's no real super duper powered people in these scenes. I mean, yeah, the guy with the crazy arm, that big dude. I don't know. He's got like a, it's like a, <laughs> like a, like a, what is it? Like a super powered blade or something? His arm. Yeah, a retractable, a retractable blade, razor fist. It's like a. Right. They, I think they refer to as like a, a a seven foot Romanian with a with a knife for an arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, besides him, I mean, these are regular humans fighting and they're just right. really skilled and that's awesome that's what you like about like you said bill daredevil and it has that kind of feeling to it when you watch any other marvel movie you feel like you're watching people that are not human when you're watching iron man there's a guy in a suit that's doing things that probably in the next hundred years they're not going to create the technology to do that it's not real it's science fiction right. what this, <laughs> this felt it feels real it feels possible it feels like someone incredibly skilled could do these things and that's what made it really cool so i think both those scenes the bus scene the skyscrapers skyscraper scene for me i really enjoyed the mother fighting the father in the beginning i think yes. oh yeah that yeah. was great the way she's using like nature and the way she moves like her her very fluid her movements right and when he was dominating everyone he ever fought up until he fought her and her movements would just like basically was able to knock him back and and stop him and that was a really cool sequence, and I really appreciated that. And it's a shame because all the sequences we just said are in the first half of the movie. So that's, that is that right. is the shame of it. 
Right, but see, you have to you have to make people care enough that they can get through to the third act, right? If you don't set it up well enough, there's no movie to really to to try to hold on to on the third act. But I'm glad you mentioned that like opening sequence that we really all all seem to have enjoyed, because like there's obviously the Jackie Chan influence, but as a fan of of movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, House of Flying Daggers, it really had that feel to it. It was just gorgeously shot and, and choreographed and yeah i can't say enough about how well this was put together just the cinematography and the direction is yeah. so good and for those of you that did watch it on disney plus or watched in the theater disney plus added these imax features now where when you watch the movie yeah. it expands and this movie the entire movie was filmed in imax cameras so watching these opening sequences watching some of these fight scenes i'd never seen anything like it because it took up the entire screen it yeah. wasn't like the Snyder movie where they cut off the sides. No, they actually <laughs> did the whole whole screen. Yeah. The the only equivalent that I had, if you had the 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 Blu-ray of like the Dark Knight, which was enhanced for IMAX, they did that for like the IMAX sequences. It would expand yeah. to the full screen, and it's just such an experience. So I, I'm glad uh, that you you caught that also. Yeah, this is for the whole movie. So this was really cool. So so yeah, those were some of, I'd say, probably the standout sequences that really worked. I think they did a good job, though, just setting up the story. I mean, seeing Sean or Shang meeting with Aquafine or Katie's family and yeah. spending a little time in their house and seeing them at their jobs, valeting cars. I just feel like there was like a, a down to earth to a lot of that. You don't get in a lot of Marvel movies. Yeah, I mean, that even introduction is great. Sorry. Yeah, uh, good. You want to say it again? Because it's talking over you. No, it's fine. The introduction to the character of Sean, you know, Shang-Chi, as we're, we're reintroduced into him as Shang-Chi of the dead. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but, like, the introduction of him, I think, was was very well done, where it, like, established at first, you're like, you're like, dude, this guy is ripped. And then you you get to the sequencer, and they come out, oh, my God, he's got this fancy car. Wait, that's not him. Oh, he's, he's, a, he's a valet. All right, we've grounded this guy immediately. Okay, cool. Right. The anti-Iron Fist. <laughs> exactly. It's beautiful. I thought that was very well done. Like, you're like, oh, okay. He's still relatable. Yeah, and it was, I mean, yeah. this movie did a lot with that. They made, like I said, we talked before how they brought back Ben Kingsley's character, but also look at what they did with Abomination. Right. Like, he was not mentioned since that Hulk movie. That's something that Marvel themselves has barely even acknowledged or, you know, wants to have any ties with. And he was just there. It yeah. wasn't an illusion. Like, it was him and when he was done it wasn't like he was this raging lunatic like literally wong's like let's go and he was like all right like yeah. he was like, like he had been defeated a decade before and a lot we don't need to see it or even know about it but a decade worth of crap has happened to this guy that he's now just like like you often see in comics where like the worst villain all of a sudden you'll catch them one day and they're like nah, i'm just chilling around right now like and it made it believable that like Wong hangs out with Abomination and they like they spar sometimes it just it was cool it felt very comic booky in that way and I loved that they didn't and it wasn't like oh my, no one was like oh that's that's Abomination from that they didn't like try to tie it in they didn't right. try to be like Banner must be here or anything like that they're just like nah it's just the bad guy that's just and, the guy and if people fighting. and if people didn't watch Incredible Hulk then they missed that and it's not a big deal and you're just like all right that's some weird looking creature yeah right that, that's I, true. I, I really enjoy that. I, I forgot. I mean, at the time, I remember trying to look in, um, and maybe deep people know, but or uh, deep fans know. But who, who were in the cells? Was it any? Was it anyone like? Well, one of them you saw was like from Iron Man Three. Had the uh, was it called the extremists, where he was like turning like red and lighting up. Oh, okay. 
I didn't there even was catch definitely, that. Yeah, there was an extremist bad guy there, so I caught that, but I didn't catch any of the other characters. I didn't know them. I'm sure, I'm sure the internet is, is full of Easter eggs. One of them was Morph. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but uh, actually, there, there's a very brief moment of dialogue in, prior to them obviously going into the cells and, and uh, Shang-Chi fighting his sister, where they're, they get him to sign the contract under false pretenses, and then he's like, they're 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 having an exchange in Chinese, and Katie's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, my my Mandarin's not very good." He's like, "Oh, don't worry, I speak ABC." Yeah. <laughs> oh, like that's that was like that was such like a unique moment. You're like, "Oh, that's 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 hilarious. That's great." Yeah, there were a lot of really good humor moments like that, and just like minutes later after that, where he's getting ready to fight, and he's looking down at her, and she looks up, he goes. She goes, where's your shirt? Where's what your happened shirt? to your, what? What happened to your shirt? <laughs> and I was crying. I was laughing out loud when, when she said that. She has just really amazing comedic timing. Oh yeah, her time, her comic time is so good. And I've seen her in so many things, but this showed like other sides to her that I really liked. Yeah. So I, I thought she was just she just killed it. Well, I think what's great is that this kind of shows like all of her different like aspects of of her ability to act right like she was in the farewell and was so good in that that dramatic role and obviously she has a ton of like scene stealer moments in various different comedies even like the second jumanji movie she was like a scene stealer in that so yeah she's good in that right like her her timing is is always so good and she's super expressive but i i honestly thought similarly to bill was like is is she just going to be comic relief? Like if she's yeah. if she were only comic relief, I think it would have worn on you by the time you hit the second act. But the fact that they mixed it in with having some actual depth to her character and there being some real drama made it work really well. Yeah, from the trailer, I was like, she's going to get annoying. I can see this being a, a one note character, right? And I might laugh once or twice, and then I'm going to be like, damn it, this has to stop. And that actually happened for me with Ben Kingsley. I know you guys were saying you're so happy he's back and he's funny. I actually was like, Ugh, this guy's got to go. I, his jokes that continued, like at first it was funny when they walked into the room in the cell and he was there with the creature and like he's been putting on acts and all mm-hmm. that. And like that, that was funny. But the fact that he went with them in the car and he's with them on this whole voyage, I'm like, ah, can we can we get rid of Trevor? <laughs> Don't you dare say get rid of Trevor. I love Trevor. I think I think Ben Kingsley's best moment in this film was when they they're like, "What is that?" He's like, "Oh, you mean Morris?" And then he you see the relief in his face. He's like, "Oh, you're real. Thank God." <laughs> <laughs> like he's like been questioning his sanity. He's like, "Oh, this is the only person the thing that's keeping me sane." But at the same time, is he real? Oh, you've just confirmed yeah. it. Great. I'm not crazy. What's, and what's so funny is like anyone who's seen this man's career. Sir oh Ben Kingsley. God. I mean, the guy is a legend. He's like, you can put him up with there with Michael Douglas and some of the other and, and Anthony Hopkins and some of the great actors that have been in MCU movies. But he's playing such a ridiculous character <laughs> that you're like, why would he want to do this? Like, why would he want to subject himself to this type of role? But I guess it's just fun. Who yeah. was Anthony Hopkins in the MCU? Really? He was Odin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Odin's beard. Oh, yeah. That was a cash I, grab. You're not king. <laughs> never mind. Sorry. That's on me. That's on me. All good. All good. This is where good. you guys find out I've never seen any of the Marvel <laughs> this is, movies. This is Bill's first Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, there I are know this a lot. Is, hold on. There I, are I, a have lot. A, I, I have not a rant, but a thing I want to get out here right now. Sure. Go for it. Doesn't pertain to this movie, but it pertains to Marvel movies in general, right? 
So you know how the thing currently at time of recording this is everyone's trying to get spoilers for No Way Home, right? The upcoming Spider-Man movie. I, I am actively trying not to. <laughs> okay. So you know how in interviews they're trying to corner or like trick uh, Andrew, Garfield. Andrew Garfield Andrew Garfield to saying something? Jamie Foxx. Yeah. They're trying to get all Jamie, these people to... All these people. And like when the past Tom Holland's gotten in trouble for saying stuff, mm-hmm. or, you know, right? Why do they let them ask those questions in the interview? Because they vet the interview questions anyway, right? Because, like, an interview, you don't sit down with all of these, like, media outlets. And it's not like they just, like, ask whatever they want off the top of their head. Like, their publicists see the questions. So, like, Disney knows what's being asked. So, like, But why? is it Disney or is it Sony? I think it's Sony who's, like, in charge of a lot of this. Because but Marvel, even, but even still, like, why Marvel, do you get mad at the actor? Like, listen, stop mad at the actor. <laughs> listen to a Marvel interview, okay? For a Marvel movie, they are not allowed to say anything. You can look back at WandaVision interviews. You can look back on any of the Avengers movies. They're like, yep, can't answer that. Yep, I'm not allowed to. Disney will come and someone will come out and kill me. But, but why would for, they let them even ask it? But for these movies, for the Sony ones, I feel like there's a little more wiggle room. Because Sony wants anyone to come to the movie. They're like, please come see right, this movie. Because, because a lot of their, I think a lot of their money is tied to the box office receipts. So they're trying to just like generate as much buzz and as many right. headlines Marvel's as possible. Marvel's going to make money through their streaming service, through their merchandise, through through everything that comes with the, the Marvel name. Sony, if they don't make their money in the theaters, they're not really making it anywhere else, correct? I mean, on the property. I'm, that, that was my understanding of, of their agreement. Yeah, but still, like, then why do you have, like, that's, I think that is a less than great practice to put it on the actors themselves. Like, that stinks. These people are like, I'm sure all the actors would love to be like, I am totally in, like, one of the most anticipated <laughs> movies of the year. But they have yeah. to go, they have to go out and lie Ke- about Michael it. Michael Keaton was in an interview, I think, like a day or two ago. Yeah. And they asked him, like, oh, so what have you been up to? Are, are you doing any more, you know, Marvel stuff? And he's like, I, I'm, I'm doing Vulture stuff. And that's all he was able to say. <laughs> and and the, you can watch the interview. I'm doing Vulture stuff. That's all you yeah, can say. We don't, we don't know yeah, what. Yeah, she said, I'm, I'm doing, I'm shooting tomorrow some Vulture stuff. I'm doing shooting tomorrow some Vulture stuff. So people were like, is it, you know, additional shooting for Far From Home? What is it? No Way Home. Is he doing more shots for Mobius? Is he doing a shot for something else that we don't know about? So like, yeah. Yeah, they're gonna reshoot three quarters of Mobius. To make <laughs> go see Mobius. Hey, yeah. So sh- should should we go off track on a little Spider-Man No Way Home right now? Yeah, should we? I-, I apologize. I honestly that has been kicking around. <laughs> we my head totally like, can. So yeah, that's been ki- that that question specifically has been kicking around my head as like Andrew Garfield's been getting all this flack and not Toby, but Tom Holland gets all this flack and like Toby McGuire you know, has been just chilling because right. totally. It, They've been really after Andrew Garfield and mysteriously not after Toby Maguire. I think it's at because all. Andrew Garfield has Tick Tick Boom out. Yeah. That's true. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, and he's doing a lot of press lining. tours right now. Right. Tom McGuire, no one wants him in a movie anymore <laughs> since like Spider Man 3. He's like, oh, well, Tick Tick Boom is coming out soon, and, and, and he gets that. But he does have to answer all these questions that have nothing to do with the thing he's out there promoting. He yeah, did Spider Man like 10 years ago, and they're asking about that. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's so we- it's so weird and like I don't know I-, I guess it just rubs me the wrong way that like you're a major studio like why are you turning around and putting it the responsibility on these like this sole individual human like that's not fair but, but these humans could also just laugh and say I'm sorry the, the other part of it is we're talking about it right now 
right? right? The internet's talking about it. The internet is buzzing over whether he's in there or not. And if he's not in there, why are we torturing him? And if he is in there, how is he held out so long? This has been a headline and like a talking point for months leading up to this movie. Yeah. So the movie is already anticipated, but now you're just getting all this extra press for people on the periphery that would have no interest in it and be like, oh yeah, what's happening with Andrew Garfield? He's in this other movie, but why is he trending? And, and it has nothing to do with this other movie. So yeah, it's, it's I, kind of brilliant. It's the it's the no news is bad news. I, I said to I said to Matt. So I says to Matt. I says, <laughs> I I would love. I honestly truly would love if there's gonna, there'll be multiple Spider Man in the movie. Obviously, but I would love if there's like a scene where they pull their masks off, like a reveal, which there will be, mm-hmm. and they're all Tom Holland. Like I would abs- <laughs> I would I would just love that because why wouldn't it be? I just or want it's like, there to it's be three people we don't even know. Like it's three other people we don't even know. They didn't need to tell us about all of the villains. They could have kept some of them oh, under that wraps. Final tra- that final trailer. It's like, showing too much, and like that's been a thing for years. Like people say, Sony they go specifically, to the, Sony. Sony yeah. specifically. But when you go to the movies, you sit there and you watch a trailer before the movie you want to see, and you're like, I just saw the whole movie for that trailer. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I need to. I don't need to sit through an hour and fifty minutes because I know what's going to happen. And with Spider-Man No Way Home, there are some questions. There are some mysteries from the trailer, and it is bringing up sometimes more questions than answers. Right. But sometimes I just wish they would have kept some of it under wraps. I yeah, Holland that- keeps going. You haven't seen. That's not even the tip of the iceberg after mm-hmm. each of the trailers. And at this point, after that third trailer, if neither of those trailers show us the tip of the iceberg, then this movie is going to be too inflated with its own good. And like, I, mm-hmm. I don't even know what could possibly come of this. There. I, I I kind of agree with you guys, but I also see the other side of it, right? Because you're trying to, especially now that we're living in what was supposed to be a post-pandemic, but is still kind of a mid-to-end post-pandemic world, right? You're, you're trying to get this fever pitch of buzz to attract people to go to the theater that might be like, maybe I'll see it, maybe I won't, right? So how can you do that? It's like you have to create new attention. So if the trailer that they released, the final trailer, which it is definitely going to be since we're a month away, right? This is the final big trailer drop before the movie comes out. If you didn't show anything new, there'd be no buzz. There'd be no additional eyes that you get onto it. But I, I agree think that you didn't, you didn't see the much. trailer, right, Mark? I did see the trailer. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought when you said you were avoiding spoilers, I was like, I oh, was, man. but I, I, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I think <laughs> Spider-Man being this the third solo film in the mcu mm-hmm. being that we've seen him in avengers films i don't think it needed that much of a push and it's going to easily be the the highest grossing film of the year mm. it's going to easily surpass shang chi and eternals as far as the best well, Black Cl- Widow. Cliff- clifford's numbers are still out there <laughs> we haven't gotten the returns on clifford yeah i love the so, i love that marketing campaign they have right now with just clumps of red fur everywhere i'm like why is this a thing but <laughs> clifford yeah, definitely has a good shot there's there's just the, <laughs> the there's, <Clifford> verse. <laughs> there's just this the, the balance that they try to find with getting people to go to see the movie versus keeping things secret and this has been again it's been the worst kept secret in hollywood for a year and a half running but if the unlikeliest of scenarios happens and neither of them are in the movie, it will have been the greatest ruse of all time. Which, I do, again, I don't think is going to happen. I've, I firmly believe that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are both in this movie and we're going to see them. But if not, how great was the campaigning? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was a success because here we are talking about it, right. good or bad. We're talking about the movies, which they want. They want to create that buzz, that fever pitch. So you guys are right. 
but I just I'd rather go in knowing, all right, we're getting a third Spider-Man movie and mm-hmm. Doctor Strange is in it and this can be multiverse stuff. Right. That's all I really need to know. Right. Even the first trailer with showing Doc Ock and the laugh of the Green Goblin, it really felt like that. Like, all right, it's too much. Stop. Nothing else. And now right. we're getting like we're up to like five full villains here, already. Full full solo villain, full frame shots of the villains. Of the, yeah, like yeah. of the final climactic scene, it looks like, of them all battling. It's like, yeah. really? Like you couldn't have held that, buddy? Yeah. I, 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 I've, I'm on, I'm like, I'm torn. I'm on both sides. I've, I've, I personally wouldn't have wanted there to be additional like stuff that came out, out about it since you've already shown, it feels like they've shown a lot of their hand, Yeah. but I understand why you're, you're showing like additional stars and villains and things. So it's, it's, it's tough to find that balance. Yeah. Well, it, we're a month away. We'll definitely talk about that one and I'm sure we'll regather for, Eternals, if and when we see this, we all see this <laughs> this movie that Bill says is really long. So, have you have you seen it, Mark? I haven't seen it yet. I'm on the same boat as you. See that? Even Mark hasn't seen the movie, <laughs> and that's his thing. Movies, yeah, that one is, of his things. That's very it true. Is, it is out there that it's not one of the highest rated MCU movies. It is struggling with some audiences. So, it's gonna be interesting when the three of us regroup because this is it's like the biggest mixed review since like. Iron Man 3, Thor 2, some of the yeah. earlier Phase 2 films that struggled. So it'll be interesting to see when the three of us have all seen it, that we can regroup and talk about it. But let's let's get back to Shang-Chi. Yeah. Let's see if we can talk a little bit more and, and kind of close out this film. Let's dive into the third act a little bit. Let's kind of talk about some of the things that didn't work, the things that we didn't, maybe some of the fantastical stuff, whoever wants to start it off. Well, before we get into the stuff that we didn't like, because it's very sure. clear that all three of us don't like the third act as much as the first two, <laughs> I'd like to t- briefly talk about what I did like in the third act, and that's what preceded the final battle in the sky between the, the dragon and the soul sucker, the big soul sucker, right? The f- the final fight between Shang-Chi and Wenwu I thought was actually really emotionally gripping, and I've, a lot of the credit goes to Tony Lund just being a phenomenal actor with what he does with his eyes, right? Is There's the moment right before he's, his soul is taken where he relinquishes the rings to his son. And it's there's no dialogue. It's just a look in his face of he knows he's reached his end and he knows that he's basically failed him and that his son was right and that his wife's not behind that door and what he's just kind of unleashed upon the world. And that's all portrayed in his eyes in three seconds. And you right. can feel all of that. And then you have that just, he relinquishes the rings. He's like, you you, you do what you were born to do as my son. You have the power within you. And I thought that was probably the best part of that third act. It's funny. I got all of that too. There was a truth and honesty and like a, an apology all in that right. moment there where you felt like, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Here, and and he and he sacrificed himself, and it was right. that was, yeah, that was very touching. And I think the actor that plays Sean Shang Chi, it's Simu Lu. Simu Lu, I think he's great. I yeah. think he doesn't get enough yep. credit. And I think, yep, he was great. He was really good in this movie. And and some people have said it. And he's a hunk, and and it, that's definitely out there as well. Oh, he's yeah. for sure a mm-hmm. snack, dude. He's definitely going to be on our, our snack meter that we talk about on this spot. Or snack attack. Oh, yeah. Idris uh, Elba, watch out. Yeah, you got company. He <laughs> good was also on us but, for selecting such a casting a wide net. 
right? right? Yeah, yeah. No, but he did he did a really good job of the humor, the mm-hmm. the drama, the action. I felt like he was really well rounded. I mean, like the scene on the airplane. I'm going back now from the part three just for a second. Mm-hmm. The part of the airplane where they're sitting there, him and Aquafina just kind of talking, and he's like, and she's like, "You changed your name from Shang to Sean," <laughs> and and his facial expressions playing off of someone who's as funny as Aquafina, like. Right. He he was able to go toe to toe with her as far as the facial expressions, the animation, to make all those those jokes work. Right. Yeah, definitely yeah, I, did. He's he he did really phenomenal work here. And uh, during the press tour, just all those standing back backflips that he was just doing from a dead stop. I mean, the man, the man can do everything. See, that's why you got to get into acting, right? Right. Like, think about Keanu pre Matrix One. Right. Dude's a hunk. He's in a band. He's a cool guy. Matrix One happens, and they're like, you now need to become a black belt and proficient in weapons. And he's like, yeah, totally. And they're like, and we're going to pay you millions of dollars to do it. And he's like, yeah, that's great. Then the rest of my life, this is what I'm going to Tom Cruise. You could say what you want about Tom Cruise. Any movie he's in, they're like, we need you to be a certified scuba diver or hold your breath for the right. world record. He's like, okay, you're going to pay me? Great, I'll do it. Yeah. Well, the thing that's that, so cool. The thing that was cool, I think, for for Simu Liu specifically, is that he had the opposite type of a journey, right? He was just he was uh, a stunt performer with it, like in movies. He did stock photos. Yeah, he and, had all this training prior to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Where a lot of actors, I feel like, get into shape and do the training for the movie. He right. had all that. Right. He had that already in kind of his repertoire. And he manifested this by like putting something up on Twitter and being like, uh, yeah, so you guys are like, you're going to Shang-Chi. How can I get like an audition? And then he gets the part. So I thought his entire like journey as the actor into this part was super cool. And then what he did in the role was also really great. Oh, we get it, Mark. Throw your hat in the ring. Who do you want to be? <laughs> Jeez, this I'm, guy, right? I would Make like to drag be, it out of him. I'd like to be henchman number one that gets kicked in the side of the head, and I will do my own stunts and I will smile as I get a concussion. Fine, <laughs> fine. <laughs> well, the stunt choreography, all of that, everyone. I feel like there was no weak point in this when they're fighting on the skyscrapers or in the bus. All of these henchmen, all of these stunt, you know, stuntmen, incredible. I mean, this was some of the best choreography, some of the best stunt work I've seen in any Marvel film and any action film. And like, I've watched a lot of Bruce Lee. I've watched a lot of Jackie Chan movies. I've watched a lot just because um, uh, Jet Li. Like, I love martial arts films, and these were some of the best martial arts scenes I've ever seen. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. It it shows what what you thought was possible, right? If you take the the bones of a, a Jackie Chan film and you just scaled it up and gave it the the budget of a Marvel movie, and that's what they did. You you had. You think he's in that sequel? You think he's in the sequel? No, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> but why? <laughs> why not? Actually, that's probably the the best phrase. Is why not? So who knows what will happen? But. The, the smart move that they made was having Brad Allen again as their stunt coordinator because it grounded the film and, and gave you just such incredible fight sequences that you haven't seen in Marvel. And there have been some pretty cool like hand-to-hand combat things with Captain America specifically. I'm not showing my fandom whatsoever here. But like there were some really cool hand-to-hand sequences, but nothing like this. 
Um, yeah, I, I agree. This takes and it to another level. And I say you also got to credit uh, Destin Daniel Cretton, the yeah. the director, who I'd only seen one movie with him. He did a Michael B. Jordan like lawyer court type movie, right? And that was good. It was a solid movie. It was nothing uh, spectacular. But credit to the director here. I mean, uh, Marvel tends to do a decent job with bringing in directors that haven't done a big budget action movie like this. And that, you know, like you said, putting in the right stunt coordinators and choreographer and for all these type of things, it, it makes a difference having the right people around you. Right. And I think having someone that has a vision for the character, I think that's the thing that they've really kind of gone to over and over when you talk about them, uh, how they ended up selecting this particular directors most of the time is to say, well, this person had a vision for this character, especially for the origin stories. It's like they had a vision of the world that it was going to be in and the background of the character and their emotional backstory. And that really does seem like this was the case here because he had a very clear picture of the two very distinct and separate worlds of like San Francisco versus actually like three worlds if you like include like Talo. So big credit to to the director and and the creative team for having that vision. I'd say uh, two very dramatic scenes that I thought were extremely powerful that I want to bring up. One being when the mother basically fights off the group and it gets killed, but they come there for the father. And basically says, well, you're, someone's going to pay for him. And that was a tough scene to watch, watching the kids basically watching it happen. Right. And then the second scene that also hit on with me is, is the sister basically spelling out to him, like, you left me. You're supposed to come back for me. You left me with our psychopathic father, mm-hmm. and you left me. And that was also, like, there was some really powerful father-son, brother-sister, like, family moments in this movie that I thought really hit home. Yeah, there was a lot of a talk about sacrifice, perceived sacrifice versus what the actual actions entail, entailed and, and resulted in, and the impact of of your decisions, right? He makes a decision after completing kind of a, a heinous act to try to reinvent himself, but in doing so, he abandons his sister, and their mother makes the ultimate sacrifice after their father had made a decision to, to try to reshape his stars and and make a new life that's more honest and devoted to his family and then in the grief of his wife loses himself so there's like there's so many different emotional layers to the story that i think again i I know i'm repeating myself but i think really separates this from the other origin stories is that there is all this like messy emotional backstory that feels real and it's totally, like you said, real. It's believable, like that this father could almost have a little bit of hate for his kids that they didn't, didn't try and help the right. mother. And they kind of blame them. He has he has like some sort of blame that they're still here and the mother's not. So like mm-hmm. there there is a whole angle, like you said, almost a killmonger. Like you can see their point of view and it, that, that, that really does work in this film. Yeah, I think it was where Black Panther dipped its toe in this water. I think this just went full force into it. Right. I was like, let's try it. Let's see if it works. And it and it, it did. It, I don't. I'm, that's not to say that if they went this route for Black Panther, it would have worked out the same way. I just feel this. It all lined up that it 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 served the story for it being this way. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Def- I think what what's interesting with with Wenwu specifically, right, is because there is the that element of blaming the kids, but I feel like that's more 
just on the surface to hide. He blames himself that he should right. have been stronger and right. he should have had all the power. Right. That is that is uh, he has that subconscious it's, guilt. It's definitely that is an like, Anakin Skywalker thing. Right. But without <laughs> I, I, like learn to fight, learn to <laughs> right without being like completely wooden and terrible at acting with portraying that type of emotional. You know, Mark, this is awkward. Uh, Hayden, come on in, sir. Um, <laughs> He's going to get his shot again. He's going to get his shot again. And I guarantee you it's going to be awesome. It's going to be agree. so much better. I you agree. know it will. He's had two decades to, to, to hone his And George acting. Lucas didn't write the dialogue or direct it, so it'll be much right. better. Exactly. All signs are pointing up. There's no way it can be worse. There's no possible way. Will you eat a hat? <laughs> no. <laughs> if it's Absolutely worse. Absolutely not. Uh, Damn, I got a bot. You know what? I'll do it in, in eating inanimate objects. If it's somehow worse than the prequels, I'll eat a hat. Dude, I got a box of hats I'm trying to unload. <laughs> I got I'm, I got you. I'm in. I'm in. These must, are they like edible hats? All right. Anyway. <laughs> they are what they are. So what I want to ask you guys, we've kind of, yeah, each Marvel movie, I ask you guys, do you see this as bottom tier, mid tier? top tier or if it is top tier do you put it like bottom of top like where do you see this we're at like 24 how many hundred movies were deep right now i have no idea mm-hmm. but I'm going, I'm going bottom top that's a hard bottom top yeah i'm with so, him too so you're saying like top 10 basically yeah oh for sure i mark you too i agree with that i'd say it's top tier but towards the bottom of the top tier there have been a lot of great movies but this this just explored it feels different and that's not something you can always say right I think Marvel movies can always, they're always enjoyable to me, but sometimes it just feels like Penn, Penn Station pizza, but not like the good Penn Station pizza. You're like, you're like it's pizza. It's, it's going to be good, it's, even yeah, if it's, it's not great. It's 2 a.m. I'm 17 beers deep. That was an awesome concert. Right. I'm going to get warm pizza right now. Right. It's warm pizza. Exactly. <laughs> right. So like that's how it sometimes can feel. This felt like they, they explored something different. Yeah, and, I think and that's fair. did really well. I, I would say for me, it's top middle tier for me, like movie like movie 11, 12, just because, <laughs> like you said, Mark, there's so many good movies. I mean, I'm right. not going to put it ahead of Infinity War. I'm not putting it ahead of Winter Soldier. I'm not putting it ahead of Thor Ragnarok. And there's just there's a lot of movies like that. I'd put right. this cl- closer to probably like Doctor Strange 1, Ant-Man 1, Ant-Man 2, like some of like the, the, the top middle of the pack movies and Far From Home and, and Homecoming. Right. Like it's a solid movie. It's a really good movie. It's not... I would say it's anywhere near the bottom half. Mm-hmm. It's the top half. It's definitely the bot- top half. And that's hard to do 23, 24 movies in to keep it fresh. It's an origin story, which is hard because you're not building off of something else. Right. So I think you have to take that as a tremendous success. Definitely is. Yeah. yeah you know, it's good just for once to see Disney and Marvel have a hit movie. It's about time. <laughs> like They're know, really anytime, struggling. Yeah. Any any time they could just I, I sit there. Like I didn't like so I saw it in the theater, but I didn't watch the movie. I just looked around at people's smiling faces and I just saw I said cha ching. That's well, good for the Well, I was worried because company. if they don't make money, Mickey Mouse doesn't eat. So yeah. right. he, will, he will get some cheese after this. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just I'm happy they're finally making money again. Yeah. It was so hard that they couldn't make money for a year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cynicism aside, I'm happy that we, we kind of have the, the conveyor belt of content kind of back in motion. Ooh, yeah. did you see that? I know this is another off topic, whatever, but Mark, you see the teasers for Moon Knight and She-Hulk? Yes, I did. Uh, Moon Knight, I'm particularly interested in how they, they kind of go after that. He's oh, Batman. It's just, it's, yeah, it's Batman. That's how they're gonna and that's Bat- awesome. He's Batman, but like completely psychologically damaged Batman. More so yeah, there's even a, than there's Batman. Just, there's just Batman. Just, 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 but oh, there's, there's shit's uh, a frick. There's, 
Yeah. What is that Miller? Batman. <laughs> Hold on. What's that Miller comic? The where if Batman was evil, what was that called? Um, blanking on it. He wore like all white. It, it, it is. Uh, do you remember what I'm talking about? They're trying to make a movie out of it now. Good night. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It was, uh, it was, it was uh, the guy that did Kickass wrote this comic. Oh, Mark Miller. Miller. Yeah, yeah, it was a Mark Miller comic where the whole story of it was, if it was essentially a Batman billionaire, you know, Playboy, but whatever. He was a villain. Like his whole thing was he was hmm. the villain. Interesting. Hmm. I, I didn't go. I didn't go across that one actually. So yeah, I'm not not familiar off the top of my head. But yeah, I she totally looks like a comedy. Yeah, and then hopefully we get more from the the Miss Marvel movie as well. That right. could be, that could be fun. You know, seeing like some smaller, the story there is really good. And we got Hawkeye coming out in just a few weeks. The, right. the TV series, and oh, I'm gonna have to watch Hawkeye. Aren't I? <laughs> well, might. I listen. Just, I, I, I just, love you guys, and I love doing this. Sometimes, like Eternals, <laughs> I feel it's funny. We all three of us are on the same page, where we're like, no, oh. yeah. we should no, see it. No, that Hawkeye. For the podcast. Hawkeye is gonna be fun. I think I, I listened to the an interview with the writer of the comic it's based on. He said it's very much a one-off. It doesn't really connect to much of anything. You can enjoy it just as it is. They made this sort of like a holiday special type thing. It almost feels like a, like a Christmas story. Yeah, that trailer and, definitely has that feel. And I heard it's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna almost be I think have like a diehard feel to it where it's like a guy just trying to like get back to his family on oh, Christmas. Oh, don't don't do that to me. Now I have to watch. I'm totally in. I'm bought in. I, I read a little up on like on the comic, the the miniseries, so I, I I'm totally sold. So I'm in. I'm in. I was already in to begin with, right? It's Marvel. It's Hawkeye. I'm gonna watch it. I I'm a I'm a big fan of Haley Seinfeld. I think she's fantastic, and also if only for the vain slimmest of possibilities that like the Rogers musical can become like a real thing. Like if enough people watch me, like maybe we should make this into a musical. I would totally be on board and be there, like opening night of previews for like Steve Rogers the musical on Broadway. <laughs> I would buy you guys tickets. We would go as as a group. The Hall of Fame pod goes to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Hall of Fame pod goes to see Rogers the Rogers musical the musical on Broadway. I, I do think we have to. I, I I'm throwing it out there that we see Eternals together. Hey, I mean, I it's, the, it's the it's the first one out of all of these that we have not been like, we're gonna do yeah, let's go. Yeah. Like, did they announce? Did they announce when it's coming to Disney Plus yet? Yeah, probably not till like end of December, early January, right? Probably not for a it's while. That two month waiting period, right? I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it was with Sean. I mean, okay, because so. we because we only have uh, in between that it's the Hawkeye and mm -hmm. Spider Man, so I don't I don't think we're gonna be terribly like. Yeah, lost. I'm. I'm down. I think. I think we should. I'm yeah. Down. Hey, we'll make it happen for the we'll, pod. We'll, yeah. we'll live. For the we'll, live we'll live stream it. Yeah. You can, for the you can get on Discord. And, uh, uh, by the way, update that is that comic book series is Nemesis. Ah, okay. I've heard of it. You should read it. It, is, it was actually. It was actually pretty good. Yeah, but oh yeah, just circling back to that for for a very brief moment. Oscar Isaac, big fan, and if you if you take the elements of batman you turn him into schizophrenic you have my attention so uh, he said it's the hardest thing he's ever done and he's done a lot of movies right he said that the work he's put in for moon knight was the most challenging yeah i mean i'm gonna check I, that is one of the ones i'm very excited for because mm -hmm. um i don't want a little peek behind the curtain i i happen to be a fan of batman what well this is with, that being, with that being said i am not that excited about the batman well bill you do want to see mobius <laughs> next year that's like your your next movie you really want to see right i will for <laughs> listeners of the pod 
if you guys sign up for the Patreon, if we get five people to sign up for the Patreon, I mean this, I mean this, I will, in theaters, I will bring a recorder or my phone or something, and I will live commentary Morbius. <laughs> While he eats a hat. I will I will see Morbius in four. I will pay 30 plus dollars for 4D Morbius. Oh, my so, God. So another one we'll circle back to Venom 2, which has been out a little while in theaters. I went from I'd, I I was like, oh, Carter should be in that. I'll see it. So I saw the first trailer like I don't care to see this to like I kind of want to see it now because I heard all these different things. Or I've like, mm. gone back and forth. We're like now I'm kind of excited because I have very little expectation. But we've never done the first Venom on this, so I don't have to watch it, right? <laughs> right, no, you're good. You're good. You don't have to. Even though I've watched the first Venom, I don't have to watch it. You don't this have to one, revisit correct? it. Yeah. No, you do not. <laughs> so I think we we circled through a lot of our superhero topics and news and movies and trailers and what's happening. And we talked about the, the, the very surprising, very solid hit and very nice entry into the MCU of Shang-Chi. So it was a great convo, boys. It was it was a good one. It's nice we're not ripping a movie apart like we sort of did with Black Widow a little bit, right? Yeah, a little bit. I think I think overall we we all felt a little bit better about this one than Black Widow. I would say so. Uh, yeah. I, again, I went to this, and maybe that's the thing, similar to Guardians, where we all went with zero expectations. The first one, right? I went into this was aside from watching the trailer with Matt one day and being like, "Oh wow, they're doing a lot of like hand to hand stuff." Right. Like, I don't know if I'm not excited about it, and then just being like. Oh wow, this is exactly what I like. Right. Like I this is awesome. This was so cool. Even when it got I know if you go back to the end of this pod, I talk about how when they go to the you know mythical fantasy land is when it loses me. But when they do the mythical fantasy stuff at the beginning where she's, you know, controlling nature and everything, it was done in a much more organic way that I was right. like, Oh, I buy this. Mm-hmm. Like I this could this could fit in this world. I understand why this is it had that Asian cinema feel early, right? And I love I think we I think the three of us also love that. Right. <laughs> you know, so no, absolutely. I loved it. it. Because it, you can you you know it's like it's it's gonna be slightly supernatural and you're talking about something mythical, but it still connects it to nature, right? Like that's ah, the feel of that's something. That's the word about nature is what oh, I felt. I absolutely. felt like there were the feel of nature didn't make it feel ridiculous. It didn't make it feel over the top. It wasn't mm-hmm. until I saw mystical creatures and this, yeah, and some of the other weirdness, the nature side of it grounded it somehow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's like something that's again in in what they're they're, they're referring to, they're referencing and kind of t- paying homage to with like movies like Hero and uh, yeah, Hero definitely and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and House of Flying Daggers. Like, there's that feel of being connected with nature and that being the source of your power. And I think that's something that grounds this movie and separates it from, oh, well, they have this this power from this serum or they have this power right. from machinery. They're like, no, they're tied into nature. And I think and that's that- something very different. It's different and it's important because representing different types of cinema, you know, Marvel, right. people think, oh, they're all the same. They're all one note. And this, the representation here, I think, was important. And just, yes, showing, like you said, an Asian-American story, which was important, but also showing a different type of superhero movie, which right. I think they did a really good job with. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I think what also helped is there, there wasn't really, I mean, at the end, you could argue they're in there like, war fatigues or but there wasn't an over-the-top like costume costume right right like there wasn't there's a practicality to it 
it, yeah, yeah. They had an explanation to it. I mean, like, it's oh, right. Well, it's 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 dragon skill, so it's going to be hard for things to pierce it. Like, well, yeah. that makes sense. I'd want to put that on too. Yeah, I mean, even Wong was wearing his uh, traditional garb, right. you know. So it was like, oh yeah, that that's why he would be in that. There wasn't the you know spandex villain. I I, I read something very recently where they were talking about how Red Skull was one of the best designed of all the Marvel movies where you're like, hmm, yeah, okay, I guess this could, someone, it, it, obviously there's fantastical elements where like he was deformed by the stone, but like it was done in a way that was very believable, right? And I think everything in this was the same way. You're like, yeah, yeah, okay, that, 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 it all kind of like, obviously there's like nine-tailed foxes and, <laughs> you know, look like Magic the Gathering cards by the third act, which again, I love. <laughs> Not a sponsor, but shout out. What's up, Wizards? They, I, I just, I really enjoyed this movie. I had a good, I left and I was like, I had a, I, was, I had a good time watching this movie. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it was fun. It was, and it made, it's weird because it made me start to be like, am I just too hard on these when I like think back of all the stuff we, you know, talk about and everything. Mm -hmm. But no, I, I think when they're good, they, they hit really well. Right. Yeah. And I think when it's like a lesser known character is where they're able to be like, all right, let's see what sticks here, you know? Right, try something um, different. Right, at least for those first outings of, like, the lesser-known properties, right? Yeah. I'm interested to see how a Doctor Strange 2 plays out. Obviously, with Sam Raimi directing it, it's going to be... I'm, I might have a bias already that it's going to be killer. <laughs> but I'm interested to see... You know, I, I, I'm very curious to see how Guardians 3 plays out. Because, one, obviously, we, I, I personally love. Two, not so much. It was okay, but it was kind of like, for me... It was, oh, nah, whatever, because I feel too suffered from it having to be tied too much into more of what's happening. I'm, I'm curious with three, because he has nothing to lose at this point, right? Three is like, yeah, right, well, here you go. Come back. We want you back because we fudged up and we know we need you back. You yeah. And the, he's talked about how they've flat up been like, yeah, whatever you kind of want to do with three. Like, you could just do it. Yeah. And I'm excited for that. Like, I hope they start doing that type of stuff, right? Because everyone has theories floating around where it's like, oh, it's going to be Galactus and Silver Surfer, and they're going to have to work Wolverine in. And now there's all this talk that Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart are back in with Doctor Strange too, and that might—I'm sure if they are, that's cool and everything. But like, I, I, I like that. I like the idea of them giving directors. Now, on the other hand, DC does that and gives directors maybe too much freedom, mm -hmm. or and then they unfortunately give them the freedom. They shoot what they want, and then they edit it to what they think. It doesn't work that way, but like. Let the directors try. That's how you got some of the great fudging movies. I know I cursed to start off, but it was Scorsese cursing, not me. Um, <laughs> that's how you got some of the great movies out of this. Where like you just were, you were like Ant Man one. Okay, go. You you, well, you make this movie. I think that's Thor three Ragnarok. I mean, right. Taika went in a Taika weird, crazy yeah. direction, and that could have been a huge bomb failure. And here, like mm -hmm. Thor four is like my most like yeah, anticipated movie. Wait. That's my most hype movie. Like yeah. Spider-Man three, like I'm gonna go see it, but like I don't know, I'm not as excited as some other people are. But Thor four, like that is my movie. I wish that can come out tomorrow. Like I'm mm. psyched for that, and that's like you said, that's a different director. Like, Here, let's give the guy the keys to the car and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I agree. Cool. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> no, I awesome. think that's the beauty of of the the success. Sometimes you get like a little too big for your britches, and you follow the formula, but also having all the different properties and having a budget bigger than the GDP of some small countries <laughs> uh, allows you to take chances <laughs> with different like storytellers. I mean, like if you have this vision, this singular vision for this character and this story, go for it. Yeah. I love that. And we'll, 
we will definitely be keeping an eye on the upcoming releases and upcoming movies. And in the meantime, we'll get back to some of our regular Hall of Fame movies. But every time one of these Marvel or DC properties... It's just so hard to resist. It is hard to resist coming on, talking about it, whether we're excited or not excited. And and it is a lot of fun. So thank you guys for, for joining back together again for this Sorry to cut in. Is this is this am I am I is this a year anniversary? Is that what's happening with this podcast right now? Yeah, yeah. we are. Yeah. So this this is gonna come out, guys. This is our one year anniversary of the pod. Okay. Let me just say congrats, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been a fun time. As a longtime fan, thanks for finally having me on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we kicked Scorsese out for you, so feel, you should feel lucky. Yeah, we his we review have- of this movie. Let me read it again. <laughs> we <laughs> We have some really cool stuff lined up, guys. Me and Mark have been spitballing some great ideas and a fun holiday idea as well. So we do have some cool stuff lined up. I Home want Alone first... 4 commentary. Home yeah, Alone the, the... 5 live watching. You're streaming it on Twitch, Home Alone 5. Oh, the new God, Disney man. Plus Home Alone movie, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. What is that? Home Sweet Home Alone? Is that what it's called, I think? I think you so... nailed it. That's the one. Yeah, Home Sweet Home Alone. <sighs> if, if not, I will write that movie for you guys right now. They have some like decent... The funniest part is like... It looks bad, but they have decent like comedians in it. Like they have Ashling B and Pete Holmes in it. And I just watched a trailer like this. How can this be this bad? You joke, but Home Alone three, which I believe is the one with Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. not not a bad movie. Yes, uh, it is. I I watched not it good. not that long ago, Matt. In fairness, you might have just lost your cred. Don't edit this out. You might have lost your pod cred right there. <laughs> in, in All fairness, right. In fairness, in fairness, well, compared to four, I don't think Home yeah, Alone four. one or two are particularly great movies either. It's just like there's excuse me, Mark. There's a nostalgia one factor we have connected to it. Two um, is not good. One is fine. Two in New York is fantastic. He These are have, <laughs> he would have murdered them <laughs> multiple yeah. times. Do, 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 oh, well, I mean, you have John Williams. The music's great. It, is it t- Harry Potter or is it <laughs> two, two turtle doves? <laughs> Thanks, crazy hobo bird lady. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Duck. Seed them. <laughs> Great. I just every time Mar- Marv and Harry are throwing the bricks at each other and oh my god I laugh every time that is one of the greatest scenes in comedy history there's um there's a great there's a great video on uh YouTube on Dr. Mike's channel where he goes over the injuries of Home Alone he's like oh, all right they're dead. Dead. They're dead. They're dead. dead they're dead they're dead they're dead they're dead they're all dead multiple times dead he's like he's like he just got hit with a brick off of the top of like a three-story building so he's concussed to begin with probably with a skull fracture and then he's been hit with two more bricks within 30 yeah, seconds a brick at, at the height he throws it at that speed oh yeah it basically is like a bowling ball being thrown at you and a bowling ball it would kill you yeah the, the- the paint can would have killed them in the first one. Oh yeah, yes. Definitely. The paint can would have killed them if not the paint can. The bar. It would have been a, the right, well, they would, Yeah, they would have been alive. For severe brain damage. They, <laughs> right. Once it hit them, they would have been brain damaged. They would have been legally alive or medically alive until they fell backwards from the flight of stairs <laughs> yeah. onto their necks. Yeah. Well, they fell backwards and they smacked their heads. That's it. Right. Lights are out. Game's over. They're dead. <laughs> we somehow ended up on Home Alone. <laughs> 
I don't even know where this we is, got here. This has been Disney a long con for me the whole time. Everything. They own this podcast, answer. Disney. Thank you for sponsoring us. Disney and, owns uh, everything. Mark, I want to th- thank you, Mark, as always, for joining me. Where can people out there find you? I am still occasionally streaming at twitch.tv slash ursusfidelis, or I am on social media at twitter.com or instagram.com slash TV. Bill, where can people find you? Ooh, actually, I have been a podcaster boy out there that's starting to come out. I've been fortunate enough to do something with a couple of buddies of mine where we have been doing not only something called Rom-Coms Till We Vom, which you can find on the Funtime Family Podcast Productions. If you search for that, it'll be on social media. So we watch a rom-com of the top 100 rom-coms of all time. Uh, we pick those by rolling a D20, and then we kind of give our best take on it. We try to mansplain. We don't just attack. We honestly give it like a good uh, good viewing. Some of them are rough, some of them are not. With that same group of people, we've also been watching every WWF. Yeah, that's right. Come at me, McMahon. Pay-per-view since the start of pay-per-views. We started WrestleMania 1 and we've worked our way up to, I think we're on Survivor Series 90 at this point. Oh, nice. Um, those are all up. This is an open invitation if either of you guys want to join for either of those. And then we do a fun one called Triple Threat Tournament Podcast where we pick a random topic. And these are short little 20-minute podcasts. We pick a random topic and I think 32 or 16 category uh, things under that category put them in a bracket generator and the three of us just get silly and vote on a winner. Some topics, past topics include things that start with S, breakfast cereals, you know, band names, just random topics. We see. I think the last one we had a T-Rex taking on in the toilet or something. I'm just throwing like, you know, random things out. Nice. Where it's, it's funny because we get to deliver, you really go into the end and debate on like why a T-Rex is better than a toilet or vice versa. <laughs> but that's on Funtime, was it Funtime? podcast productions can you spoil I, spoil that one who wins the t-rex <laughs> or the toilet a t-rex yeah a t-rex. <laughs> i was I'm relieved uh, and, i was worried for a second and honestly uh, that the doing those other podcasts again open invitation hopefully you guys at some point come on for something it has made me realize that my favorite line in all of the jurassic park movies is when jonathan hammond turns to the crew of people watching a little dinosaur get hatched and he goes i've been here for the birth of on the island <laughs> and that's the first time he gets real weird and nobody blinks an eye uh, how is grant or saddler not like wait what what the hell was that <laughs> why did you get super how is, weird how is spielberg like yeah we'll keep that in <laughs> yeah honestly he goes you know don't even don't even bother we got that that's a one taker perfect it's perfect <laughs> cut and print it well that's that's <laughs> some that's some awesome podcast stuff bill that you are doing where can what, what podcast services are these on I believe, name it, it's on all of them. Awesome. Very Great. cool. Awesome. Well, guys, uh, thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, everyone out there on the listening, on the on the, our social media. Please look at our back catalog. We've been doing some of these Marvel talks and also, obviously, our main Hall of Fame movie episode. So please check it all out. Please tune in next time. Watch lots of movies and TV shows in the meantime. And we will see you all next time. Later. From Mark and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Movie Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.